Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You are looking live. A tradition unlike any other. What is this? It's the sports report? Sports report? <laughs> Sp- sports are good. Sports, sports, sports. That's football, soccer, golf, tennis, hockey, baseball, sports. Can you say the sports report? The sports report. The sports report. The sports report. This is the sports report. Sports. That's a terrible idea. Hello and welcome to Volume 5 of the Sports Report. We've got a great show for you this week, but let's start with some introductions. With me tonight is our sports expert, Joe. Joe, how are you? Doing well, Luke. And also here's Alex. What's up, Al? Not a whole lot. How you doing, Luke? Good. Got a great episode in store this week, but first let's recap last week in our betting round. We bet on the Open and... We had, I think, something like 23 bets out there, and two of them hit, a whole two. So Rory going out with a horrible round hurt uh, pretty much everybody. Uh, Alex ended up going 0-3. Joe, you picked Aaron Wise over Jim Furyk for $5 at even, so you won that bet. and you That was my Wise selection. That was very good. <laughs> So that yields you a total of $10. And I had 17 bets and only one hit, and that was Kyrdek Afimbarnrat making the cut to win me a measly $1.75. So I have two seventy-five dollars total. Uh, this week, we're going to bet our $20 on the only sport really happening, and that's baseball. So we have opted to bet $4 each on five different games. So I will run down these games, and then you guys can give your bets, and I'll copy off the better of the two of you. First game is Yankees-Red Sox. All right, I'll go first. For this, I'll take the uh, home team Red Sox. Uh, I'll say the pitcher for New York Yankees is CC Sabathia versus uh, E. Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez's numbers this year, win-loss total, is 11-4 versus CC Sabathia's 5-4. Feel like being a day game would be hot. I feel like the uh, younger Rodriguez will do a little bit better than the uh, stout CC Sabathia. You're thinking too much, Alex. <laughs> I'm taking the Yankees. They're 11 games up on Boston. They're the better team. All right, we have one and one. I'm going to actually go with the hometown Sox on this one too. Wrong. Second game: Braves at Phillies. Who are the pitchers? Gossman for Atlanta and Eflin for the Phillies. Awesome. Great. All right. I'm going to pick the Braves on this one just because one of those things I never bet against the team I want to win. Um, Even though Gossman, he pitched a gym last night coming off his rehab stint. Uh, He only gave up one earned run in seven innings. I feel like he shot his wad, but – I'm going to say that the Braves' offense will outscore the Phillies' offense. I'll take Atlanta. Joe, we disagree again. I'll take the Phillies in this one. I hate to keep doing it, but I'm going to go with the Phillies as well. I'm going to have a huge lead. 
<laughs> All right, next, Cubs at Brewers. All right, so pitching for the Cubs will be Kyle Hendricks, and pitching for the Brewers will be Brandon Woodruff. Uh, I'm going to go Chicago Cubs. I feel like uh, Kyle Hendricks is kind of coming to his own. Joe, what do you think? Hometown team, give me the Brew Crew. I'm taking Brewers as well. All right, Pirates at Mets. Trevor Williams and Jason Vargas. For those of you playing along at home. I don't really have much of a reason. I'm going with the Pirates, though. Josh Bell's good. And I will go with the hometown Mets. So, Joe, one of us is going to have most or almost all of our money, and the other one's going to have none of our money. Unless we split. Ah, well, valid point. I'm going to go with the Pirates on this one as well. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. I'm not real good at math. <laughs> and the last one, Rockies at the Reds. Well, Alex, I can say we're going to probably be in full disagreement <laughs> on all of these because I'm going to go with the Rockies. And you are 100% correct with your statement, but wrong about who's going to win this game. It's going to be the Reds. I... You know what? I'm not going to bet with my heart because that always turns out bad. So I'm going Rockies as well. Changed it. Last second. So there you have it. Follow along. Send us your bets. And we'll see if you can beat the experts. Just send us your money and then we'll figure out if you Send us your money. We'll make bets for you. It'll be fine. All right. A pair of top 10 recruits are transferring to... Southern California to join Bronny Jr. and Zaire Wade to form a super team at the high school level. Will basketball ever be the same? And what are our thoughts on this? Yeah, I I mean, I kind of hate that this is news. I mean, these are, I mean, coming from their pedigree, that's probably what they're going to do as a career at some level is probably play basketball. I mean, I've seen some highlights on them to some degree. Like, it's fine. If that's what they really want to do, I mean, what is high school and college? What's that really supposed to do? It's supposed to prepare you for your future. And if their future is basketball, then so be it. Like, I I hope it doesn't trickle all the way down to the locals, like the more local schools on like the one and two A school, three A schools, and and in Indiana or other other states. If this is what they want to do, that's fine. Put them all in one spot and then let it be more competitive in, in other areas, I guess. So I guess my question to you guys, is it? do you think they're doing it because of the exposure or purely just to have a better chance at winning? Which I guess kind of go, they're kind of correlated together, but I just wonder your guys' thoughts on that. Well, some of it's probably to play with LeBron and Dwayne Wade's kid, which I guess I can't blame a parent who wants to do that. That's kind of cool. That's an opportunity that a lot of that, – 99.99% of people don't have, so hell, if your kid's good enough to do it, do it. Yeah, that's kind of what my thinking is, but I I guess my thinking is, you kind of hit at it, was getting kids ready for the next level, whether it be college and then on to the NBA or maybe just college. From a psycho like psychological standpoint, I feel like being the star of a team kind of helps you build that alpha mentality, and if there's four I'll just say all-American level talent on the same team, do you really get the chance to build that kind of character and that leadership skills that you need to really lead a team? Or are they basically just going to blow out every game and just kind of become, for lack of a better term, maybe complacent um, 
just by leaning on each other, or maybe say LeBron's son is uh, by far the best player. Uh, are these other three really going to develop if they're all on the same team? Well, that's kind of my thought is I don't know what the competition's like. Are they going to win every game by 40? Because if they are, that's no fun. and It doesn't really help anybody. But if this is, if they're going to a league and um, Bronny Jr. and Zaire are just like, yeah, they're really good, but they're not head and shoulders above everybody else. Then this is probably fine. I don't, and I guess there's other things. I mean, yeah, you want the sometimes you need that alpha dog on your team and stuff, but I guess it could also teach them that they're not the best out there. They won't always necessarily be the best on their team. So I don't know. I guess I would want to know. I'd be curious to see what their final scores are. If they're winning by 30 and 40 every game, that doesn't help anybody. Yeah, I would imagine they're going to win by 40 every game. I think this is stupid. I think it's ridiculous. I guess it's always been a little bit this way, but just because their parents have a lot of money, they can send them to this private school in Southern California. And they're, I agree with both you guys, what you said. They're not going to develop anything. They're just going to go. They're they're going to lean on each other. So what, are they all going to go to the same college and still be okay there? They're not all going to get drafted to the same team. So, I mean, they're all eventually going to be busts if if they just continue their entire career together. I think this is ridiculous. I hate the transfers. I, I mean, people can't help where they live. What about somebody who has the same amount of talent and – you know, is stuck on a team with a bunch of nobodies. I, I guess in this case, we we assume and hope that they're going to be better leaders and better players all around afterwards. But it's just stupid. It, it takes all the spotlight and it puts it on a bunch of 15, 16-year-old kids. And I think that ultimately things like this will ruin the sport. Yeah, I, I would say I think this kind of compares to uh, maybe on some level, uh, Alabama football. You always hear about all these stars. They're going there, constantly getting five- and four-star recruits. Um, and if you're constantly surrounded by the best talent, you really don't get a chance to prove yourself. So similarly, like one example that's easy to pick on is Trent Richardson. Yeah, he looked great at Alabama, but when you have all five-star offensive linemen constantly opening up holes for you, you look great. And I guess he still accomplished his goal of playing in the NBA, but – did that really give him a chance to succeed? Would he have been more successful at other places? I don't really know. I just feel like I kind of agree with Luke that I just don't like it in the overall sense. But this is the choice they can make, and I don't mind them making this choice. I I would debate if it's the best choice for their future, but I mean, I'm not their parent. I guess I can't make that decision. But if you're asking, can they do this? Yeah, sure, that's fine. There's you, Anybody can – if you have the means, you can send your kid to a private school. I mean, everybody's born into different socioeconomic issues like or situations. So I don't know if you really hold that against them. But if they want to do this, I mean, more power to them. Let them do it. it. It may not work out in the end. They can go to the same college, like you said. But that doesn't necessarily mean they can, they'll be able to play in the NBA. Hey, who knows if they even make it to the NBA? This could be like when you play your video games on all rookie mode and not all Madden, like you're just not going to get any better that way, but maybe they're making a super team to try to compete with other super teams too. I don't, I don't know what that situation is. I don't mind if this is what they want to do. That's fine. I could argue that it, it, whether it's the best decision for them or not though. Yeah. And to your point, this is not a new concept. I don't know. I'm not that familiar with it, but I know like growing up a lot of, uh, really good high school players would transfer to schools like Oak Hill, which is a private academy in, I think, Virginia, um, where they'd play, develop. 
I mean, on a on one end, you get to play against the best talent in the country on a daily basis in practice. And these teams, looking up their schedule, some of these teams travel across the country just to play in, like against other elite schools. So, I mean, maybe it's not as new of a concept as we really think, but I just think in the long run it may kind of kind of stunt some of their developmental uh, skills. Yeah, and let them be kids. Don't spend the whole year playing basketball. Let them do other things, like play basketball, like whatever. Yeah. No. Don't play it all year. No, I agree. All right, so that's our thoughts on a super team, super team in Southern California of high schoolers. But what I want to get our thoughts about next are some of the greatest duos in sports history. So we talked a lot about all the superstar duos in the NBA this coming season. But what about your greatest sports duos in history? So we're going to turn this into today's top three. I'll lead off. Number three for me is Shaq and Kobe. They played seven years together. In that time, they won three straight titles. Truthfully, if they had gotten past their egos and their differences in personalities, they probably would have won more. Um, but between the two of them, they've got nine NBA championships and 19 All-NBA first team. Uh, so I think their time together ranks them up among the highest. Uh, number two, actually, is not a duo. It's a trio. Being from Purdue, I'm slightly biased. But the uh, Baby Boilers and Juwan Johnson, Robbie Hummel, and Etwan Moore, that stands out to me just watching them play their freshman and sophomore years together. Uh, unfortunately, Robbie Hummel got hurt his junior and senior year, so he didn't get to play together with them. And I never got to see all three of them play together live, which was unfortunate being that I was up there my my freshman year uh, was Juwan Johnson and Etwan Moore's senior year. But they rank up there. I think it was a pretty exciting time for Purdue basketball. So they're number two on my list. Number one on my list for all-time uh, greatest duos in sports history is Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. They were six for six in the NBA Finals, 13 NBA first teams, and 17 all defensive first teams. I think you could put them up against anybody in any sport as a pair of teammates that achieve the highest level of success. So, Luke, what uh, what three duos did you come up with? Hey, do we have a mute button? Because I think Alex earns a mute button for that. <laughs> top duos in sports history, and he picks a top three. <laughs> it- Really? It's top hey, two. Hey, in hey. my defense, he asked me, and I said I had one on my list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Are you serious? Hey, top duos. I mean, and it's an honorable mention for me. Trace Amigos. <laughs> oh, all right. Go ahead. I'm just going to do like my top <laughs> ten of of starting lineups in, in NBA history. My top three, I'm going to caveat this a little bit. I, I'm only doing top threes of sports like since I started watching them, since I started liking them. And I tried to go a little bit out of the box. So I'm going to do an honorable mention for Shaq and Kobe because they were on my list. Alex already t- took them. And so Joe doesn't have to yell again. I'm going to say an honorable mention is the original big three, meaning Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. Uh, you can pick any two of them if you want, but it was just fun to watch them when they were together, and I really enjoyed that. A couple more honorable mentions that I'll go ahead and get out of the way just to build suspense. But speaking of top tens, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Terrell Owens, Chad Ochocinco, just because that's a little hometown, hometown favorite. And this one's more interesting than anything, but Derek Carr and Devontae Adams played football together at Fresno State, which I found interesting. So now I'll go into my real top three. And at number three, 
again, this is more or less because I, I remember vividly watching and it's kind of a little more relevant to our area, but I'm going to go Mike Conley and Greg Oden. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with, this is way out in left field, not, not a pun this time, but Ryan Lochte and Michael Phelps as a great duo of swimmers. And number one, a duo that I'll always remember growing up watching sports is David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez for the Red Sox. So, Joe, you yell at me for having a duo, but Ryan Lochte and Michael Phelps technically only swam together on teams of four. <laughs> so I feel like we're kind of short in the other two, and Luke uh, maybe took it a step further on adding teammates. Yeah, but that's not much different than picking a duo that plays on a team of five in basketball. Before we start throwing stones, Joe, you're the one that read the question wrong to start with. I did, but I'm I'm starting to get my own list put together here, and they are all <laughs> duos. You guys are heavy on the basketball. <laughs> I was even I, like I was trying to think of a baseball one, but that's like really hard to pick. Ortiz and Manny. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess that is. See, I've got three of them here that well, I don't know what order I want to do. I'm going to go number three. And the only reason I'm making it number three and not any higher is because I never thought I'd say this, but my number three is Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison. Not a Colts fan, never was, but uh, those two were, were pretty good together. And I, also, I'm trying to keep these with ones that I've actually watched and can actually, I guess, Say I witnessed them. Uh, my next one would be uh, Chris Carter and Randy Moss. Good one. Um, two of the best receivers ever to ever to play and happen to be on the same team for for a handful of years. And then um, see, this is close because I really want to say Pippen and Jordan, but I didn't watch them. Like they were in the in their heyday as I was just starting to realize kind of what basketball was. I never watched them really intently. So I guess that's my honorable mention, but I'll have to go Kobe and Shaq one and two. I remember watching them just dominate. So we went in three championships in a row. It's kind of hard to beat that. Kind of venturing off this topic, but another one that I thought of today, not just duos, but just like families that succeed at the highest level in sports. Like think about uh, whether you like them or not. Peyton and Eli have both had their success in the uh, NFL. And Archie. And Archie, yep, exactly. Um, the Holiday brothers that are currently all in the NBA. I know none of them are, I would say, first-team All-NBA, but they're all uh, still achieving high levels of success. It's just incredible when you think of the statistics of how many athletes actually get to play at the professional level and to have multiples in the same family be able to achieve that's pretty incredible. Yeah, that is very incredible. Right there, it's it's just like is making it to the the pinnacle of your sport, or the top professional league. Is it more, I guess, like nature or nurture? It makes you like think a lot of it is just God given ability. It doesn't matter how hard you work, you're you're just not cut out for it. And some people are just just given the ability to do that. So nature, I mean, nurture, or rich parents. Yes. <laughs> Or a combination of uh, all the, of it. Well, because like you said, is it successful? Aren't J.J. Watt and his brother both in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, there's there's uh, kind of se several. The two brothers who got drafted from South Florida? Yeah. I um, mean, they, they're now both in the NFL. So it, it does seem like families, if one gets in, it's, it's like a huge thing that, you know, the rest of the family comes in. And it, it may, like even the Bosa's, right? So 
you know, as good or bad as the younger Bosa might be, and I, I get them mixed up, but um, is Joey the younger one? I think no, Joey's Nick, the younger one. No. Okay. So, I mean, he has standards immediately, so he he probably got in. And same with the Manning. Like, Eli could have gotten a chance just because of Archie, just because of Peyton, and then he turned out to be to be decent. Or he could have been that he went through all these camps and they put him through all this stuff because, you know, Archie was in football and he, he had been throwing football since he grew up. You never really know. It's it's just kind of weird how families do seem to, if one gets in, the other one seemed to be decent. Yeah, I think some of that's the, the good old boys club yeah. where it's like, oh, we're going to give you a shot because you're so-and-so's son or so-and-so's brother. But there's just some just genetic athletic ability that gets passed down. And then having somebody, for instance, just since we're talking like Archie, he had the ability and the know-how to teach his sons how to use that ability as well. So, And obviously with his career, he had the money to give them whatever they needed to succeed. So it's just a lot of those stars just align. Now the Bosa's, I think Nick may get a little bit, his stock price may be a little higher than maybe it should be just because Joey's done so well. But I, Nick has done pretty well for himself too. It's not like he's just on Joey's coattails as far as that goes. But <clears throat> there's definitely something there because there's a lot of them. You'll see family trees of like their mom play, was like a, a sprinter somewhere and the dad played football and now they're playing basketball. Well, just obviously there's an athletic gene yeah. somewhere in that family and it all just kind of came together. All right. Our last topic today is really about discipline and there was no discipline for Tyreek Hill after charges were dropped on assault of a minor. I want to know how do we feel about the consistency of conduct penalties across sports or mostly I think the, the biggest discrepancy is in the NFL. What did Ray Rice get? Four games. Uh, initially, he initially he got four games, and then the video came out, and then he got for uh, life. So yeah, I mean that would be a good one to bring up on how, like, with the consistency well, with Ray Rice, like, so when it was when it was allegations or it was talked about, I was like, okay, we're gonna slap you on the wrist with like a two or four game suspension, and then the video comes out, so now it's like, okay, he definitely did it. So now you're out for life. So how? There was allegations, so you gave him a penalty because, or a suspension because you, obviously you think he did something, so you gave him a penalty. But then you see video evidence. I guess I don't know what what happened in that video. You obviously thought something happened, so you penalized him. So now you see a video, and you go from four games to the rest of your life. You you can't play. Or I guess it was a year, but then teams won't sign him. So it essentially yeah, no, was the rest of his life. Totally agree with, hey, Ray Rice did something wrong. We admit that it's wrong. Here's a suspension. And then we see the video and we say, holy shit, he just destroyed this girl. So now we have to like up and up our penalty. I just hate it. Like, so this will be a horrible example, but just because it'll sound like I'm, I'm being heated, but Ben Roethlisberger, even Kobe Bryant. So they're, they're in trouble for allegedly raping girls and then it gets dropped. But, what if somehow there was video of that? Then would they be banned from life? Are you going to ban Kobe Bryant for life? Are you going to ban Ben Roethlisberger for life? I, I don't know. And I guess, you know, there there has to be some sort of proof or you have to be proven guilty. But if you're pretty sure something happens, which the Ray Rice case, the video came out so much later and the NFL was like, oh, we saw it. Oh, we didn't see it. So you don't ever know what really happens. 
Yeah, and what I it's like so we're gonna suspend what Tom Brady four games for allegedly deflating footballs, yeah. but we're also going to suspend Ray Rice four games for reports that he assaulted his girlfriend or this Tyreek Hill situation, since there wasn't anything proven or I don't even know what their verbiage or reasoning was, we're not going to suspend him at all. But yet you gave Tom Brady a four game suspension for deflating footballs, allegedly or whatever he did there. Like that's ridiculous. Like what kind of image are you wanting to portray? Like it's such a reactionary league. Like they know where their bread's buttered, they cannot have their stars on the bench. So as long as the NFL has any viable reason, they're going to let their players get off with as little of a penalty as possible. But once that video comes out, or like good, hard, solid proof of it happening, then it's like, oh shit, (laughs) we have to act like we care. No, I agree with that. And I think just more than anything, just consistency. I wish they'd stop doing so many knee-jerk reactions. But like you said, Joe, it's all about the money at the end. It's a business. It's for entertainment. The NFL has proven that a lot of times that they care more about making money than actually uh, looking bad. Unless, like you said, a video proof comes out where they can clearly show that something did happen where they have to do something about it. But just looking at other ones, like, so some of them got suspended for things that happened off the field versus like a keep to leave Michael Crabtree got suspended two games, well, two games later reduced to one game for a fight on the field where it's like, is that really as malicious as misconduct off the field? I just feel like... Dominic and two. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, Albert Hainsworth stomping on that guy's head. I don't know what that length was, but I feel like, at least in my standpoint, you should be penalized less for something that happens on the field where you're kind of in the heat of the moment versus something that happens off the field in your personal life, especially if there's any kind of criminal or civil allegations against you. I would almost rather them err on the side of caution, even if there's just allegations where they almost have a a stricter uh, criteria, maybe a lesser penalty, but stricter criteria, even if it's just allegations. But then again, you open the floodgates for someone's ex-girlfriend claiming something happened when it really didn't. So it's a sticky situation. Yeah, that's where I think you've got to be careful with the allegations things because anybody anybody out there can say, oh, so-and-so touched me inappropriately five years ago and I have had nightmares ever since. Sometimes that stuff actually does, like, a lot of times that does happen. I don't want to discount that, but a lot of that stuff is just, just said just to get attention and I, I, I agree with you that I, I think there needs to be a little bit more. The players need to take more responsibility. Again, like we talked, I think it was last week. We're not necessarily asking for role models. Just be a, a somewhat decent person. Like, just be a respectable person. You don't have to be a don't role model. Don't be an model. asshole. Just, just don't be an asshole. Like, if you're yeah, James Winston, you just hire your own personal driver. Don't get an Uber. <laughs> don't set yourself up for a situation like that. And that's what it is. You you don't want to put yourself in that situation. Like, Damn it, Joe. I was hoping to get a little bit more of a rise out of you on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I was going to say those are strictly allegations, but he even got like a four-game suspension <laughs> for that or three-game suspension for that. And he allegedly groped an Uber driver two years ago or two years before anything actually happened. Like, really, we're going to do that, but we're not going to do anything to Tyreek Hill. 
That if that's if that's consistency, then <laughs> there's the door. Get the hell out. <laughs> All right, those are our thoughts on the. I think unanimously shitty uh, <laughs> consistency of conduct penalties in the NFL. All right, that is it for this week's volume of the sports report next week we are recording live from the dominican republic should be exciting what what a tease what a tease i think there's going to be some turtle races and you know all kinds of stuff we'll be covering so we'll can't wait to bring it to you live from the dominican uh thank you for listening for this week it's been joe alex and i've been luke thank you